grateful for the moms that are here today. I just want to say that uh, you all do an amazing job. I don't know how you do what you do and do it with such ability and joy and peace while doing it. So if your mom is available to you today, make sure she gets a special hug, uh, possibly something good to eat that you've taken care of for her, and because uh, she's always taken care of you, correct, and blessed you, and express that in card and word and uh, with a, re- a reaching out for connection. There was a uh, an elementary school teacher um, she was teaching children that are about seven to eight years of age, and she was trying to explain to them on the board behind her what a magnet does. So she was giving it a little bit of description, drew a few pictures, tried to let them know how it attracts things and and has specific purposes in life. And then the next day she said, we're going to take a little quiz on what I taught you about a magnet. And so the teacher said, I'd like for you in, in, in to help me understand and to pass this quiz to be able to say in six letters, describe what I drew on the board yesterday. And over half the class spelled out M-O-T-H-E-R because he said, when I want you to describe what I put on the board yesterday, it picks up things, Okay. Yeah, it picks up things. So, um, moms, thank you for all the times you picked up things. Because you care. Because you care. Amen? Because you care. And may God bless you because he cares about you. And here's the story from 1 Samuel chapter 1. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she made this vow. O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime, and as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. Father, thank you for the mothers here today. I pray your blessing upon each one. May they feel and know your love for them and the love of those around them and family. May they know the love of this body of believers, and may this truth that we share today encourage every one of their hearts and our hearts as well. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Today we celebrate a tradition that started in the United States in 1908 when a woman named Anna Jarvis suggested to her Philadelphia church that they hold a special service to honor mothers. The tradition spread, and in 1914, President Woodrow Wilson declared the second Sunday in May to be Mother's Day, and that's become a national holiday for all of us in the United States of America. And to help us this morning to celebrate the occasion, I have a short video I want to share with you. You'll just watch, please. And now a Mother's Day moment. You know, Mother's Day is that special day every year where we celebrate the women who brought us into the world. Honey, it actually took 12 hours with you. Well, that's right, that's right. My mom was in labor for 12 hours. Thank you, Mom, for reminding me. This is the day that we appreciate all of the hard work and child-rearing years that our mothers... Honey, sit up and enunciate your sentences. Apparently, I need to sit up and enunciate my sentences. Thank you, Mother. 
A famous person once said, all that I am or hope to be, I owe to my mother. Now, for me... Now, who said that? I don't know who said it, Mom. Oh, I think it was hmm? JFK. I don't know. Maybe it was JFK. I don't know. I, I know I need to do this, though, right now. So. Don't you sass me. I'm not sassing you. Since moms are there from the beginning, it's really no coincidence that mama is typically a child's first word. I'm not sure that shirt's word. working. I like this shirt. Not dressy enough. It's plenty dressy. Well, put on what I bought you. I don't want to wear that. Well, I gave it to you. I know you gave it to me. I don't want to wear it. You know, a mother's love is something that every child wants. I know I did, and I still do. I... Oh, it's Douglas. Well, answer it, pumpkin. I'm filming. Hello? Uh-huh. Tell him hello. Oh, Mom says hi. Great. Don't care. Bye. Well, it seems that my mom's favorite son is going to be joining us for lunch. Now, honey. What? Don't be rude. That's not rude. That's nice. If you can't say anything what? nice, don't say anything at all. Hmm. Then I guess I won't say anything at all. Great. Douglas is here. Douglas? Daryl. Hey, is this for mom? Hey. Can't you just go in the other room for five minutes? Mother's Day means Honey, a lot of... we do not live in a barn. What are you talking about? Who said anything about living in a barn? Oh. But my favorite memory growing up would have to be when, when you I... you at the bed in 10th grade? Hold on. Oh, this is over, Boys, pal. Stop No, it this right is now. my gift Boys, to mom, listen, man. Stop. Well, you can settle down, Stop pal. It. So I hope that all you mothers out there have a happy Mother's Day. <laughs> love you, Mom. I love you, too. Okay. Wow. All right. <clears throat> it's good that we honor our mothers for their love and effort, isn't it? It's a blessing that uh, many of them are here today and others who are here to bless our wives and mothers. Some may even be here to bless their mothers-in-law. As, a, as, a beautiful, as beautiful an occasion as this is, Mother's Day can also be a challenge for many people. And some of us can't help but reflect on ways we wish we had been better parents or had better parents. And some of us may wish that we had been better sons and daughters to our parents. For some on Mother's Day, it's a painful reminder of wayward children, broken relationships, and even painful losses. Others among us have long and desperately desired to have children and to start a family, but for whatever reasons, that sought-for blessing has not come to pass. And thinking about that, I think of all the ladies that are here today who would love to be moms, but for various reasons are not. Some have been unable to conceive. Others have never married. Some in our world today have endured an abortion. You look at the world in which we're living, and it's a little different world than some of us grew up in. So we are here to honor mothers and other women whose backgrounds and walks of life vary from place to place, women who have careers, who go out into the marketplace and community, and others who are caring for aging parents, others who work with young adults, and all the ladies of the church, we want you to feel very specially honored today. 
whatever may be going on in your heart and life, God has a word. And if you'll let this word, it'll take root in your heart and mind, hopefully to be a day that you remember and treasure and give thanks for. This is a message that involves one of the most famous mothers in, in history. It can apply to men as well as women, including those who are expecting, those who have long stopped expecting, and to any who are hurting as much as those who are very joyful here today. I'd like to ask you to listen to this Old Testament story. It's found in the ninth book of the Bible, the book of 1 Samuel, the first chapter. You'll discover the story of Hannah, the mother of Samuel. And you'll learn from this mother three important principles God used to bless her life that happened over 3,000 years ago. But the same principles that worked well for her will work well for each of us. So look at the story with me a little bit further. It says there was a man named Elkanah who lived in Ramah in the region of Zuf in the hill country of Ephraim. He was the son of Jeroham, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zuf of Ephraim. Elkanah had two wives, Hannah and Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah did not. And right from the beginning, we get a sense of just how old this story is. It dates back to the days long before Jesus, before the prophets, before the kings, a time in Israel when they were ruled by a series of judges, or what we might call governors today. In fact, these events go so far back, they occur in a day and age when men had not yet learned the truth that just one wife is more than any man can handle. Okay, And so this man, Elkanah, had two wives, Hannah and Peninnah. Not only that, but this all happened in a time when nothing basically could be worse than to be a wife without being a mother, unless it was being one of the two wives, but the only one who had no children of the two. That was Hannah's situation. And the next verses go on to describe it. Each year, Elkanah would travel to Shiloh to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of the heaven's armies at the tabernacle. The priests of the Lord at that time were the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas. On the days Elkanah presented his sacrifice, he would give portions of meat to Penina and each of her children. And though he loved Hannah, he would give her only one choice portion because the Lord had given her no children. So Penina would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. Year after year, it was the same. Penina would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. Each time, Hannah would be reduced to tears and would not even eat. Why are you crying, Hannah? Elkanah would ask. Why aren't you eating? Why be downhearted just because you have no children? You have me. Isn't that better than having 10 sons? Yeah, he was a sensitive guy in his day. Hannah was in a miserable situation, and although her husband loved her, he didn't fully understand the pain she was enduring. But Hannah's response to all this should challenge all of us to live the way she did, because as hurtful as her situation was, she did something that far too few of us do when we're hurting or when we're happy for that matter. So let me urge every one of you to follow the pattern of this lady 
who trusted God in the middle of a difficult time. First, make prayer a priority. How do you usually respond when life gets you down? And life will get us down some days. How do you react when others treat you poorly? If you're like most of us, you don't typically turn to God immediately. In fact, many of us tend to pout and ask God why, and then turn to him because we're in a rough spot, but not Hannah. Now watch this. It says, once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. Eli the priest was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord, and she made this vow. O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer, then give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he's been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. And as she was praying to the Lord, Eli, that's the priest, was watching her. Seeing her lips moving, but hearing no sound, he thought she'd been drinking. Must you come here drunk, he demanded. Throw away your wine. Oh, no, sir, she replied. I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger, but I'm very discouraged and I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think I'm a wicked woman, for I've been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. In that case, Eli said, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant the request you have asked of him. Oh, thank you, sir, she exclaimed. Then she went back and began to eat again, and she was no longer sad. Verse 10 says, in deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. In verse 12, it says, she kept on praying. In verse 13, it says, Hannah was praying in her heart. In verse 15, she was pouring out her soul to the Lord. Amazing woman, praying. How important that is in our life. In verse 5, If you read it in another translation, it says, the Lord had closed her womb. That's not a fun passage to read. Now, we know that there can be many reasons a woman may not have a child. But in those days, there was only one recognized reason for a woman not to have children, because the Lord, the author and giver of life, had not answered her request. And you remember when we pray that God will answer in a variety of ways but they're all answers to prayer. God may give you an immediate response, right on the spot, answers your prayer. Other times, God may say no, and he has the right as creator to tell us no. Other times, God may say slow. I have a time for this, but the time is not yet. Still other times, God may say, I have this for you, but you need to grow before I can give it to you because you're not ready for it. And then God will say, go, green light, it's yours. God has the right time to answer our requests. Whatever else may be going on, whether medically or otherwise, the common understanding at that time is that the Lord was withholding his hand of life-giving to this woman, Hannah, who had no children. We know that the Lord was not playing favorites between Penina and Hannah, that God was not punishing Hannah for something. There's no indication of that in Scripture. But none of the people there of that time understood that. Hannah was searching her heart during this time, not so much asking why, but what do I need to learn? 
Where, where is it I need to arrive before, Lord, the timing of your blessing will be mine? That's always the best response when circumstances are unpleasant in our lives. It may be that it's God's way with Hannah was quite different from his way with Penina. It may be that God had in mind to draw something out of Hannah's soul that would not have to come out otherwise or would never have arrived otherwise. And then it's in the struggle and it's in the task and it's in the process that God births out of us what it is he desires. It may be that God wanted Hannah's intimate prayers or a new and fresh relationship with her more than Hannah wanted a child even. And what if something similar is true for some of us in this room today while we're asking and waiting God for an answer? What if God has something in store for you, for your future maybe, or for children or your marriage that only prayer is going to birth and bring about? And when you get in fellowship with him, and because you are pressed in the process to get close to God, out of that comes your answer. James put it like this, you do not have because you do not ask. I just believe that. If, if just for a moment we could see all the things that God would do for us and in us, if we could for a moment grasp that, that God's for us, loves us, we would do what Hannah did and make prayer a priority. We wouldn't waste time just fretting and talking to everybody horizontally. We'd start talking to God vertically. It would turn our, our lives and our priorities upside down if we would just practice the simplicity of fellowship with God. We wouldn't just pray before meals. We would pray before everything we did. Like Hannah, we would pray and we would keep on praying. Then you look at her life, that's what she was doing. Like Hannah, we would pour out our souls to the Lord. Like Hannah, we would pray until people questioned our sobriety. So make prayer a priority. Amen. They were questioning her that day. I also urge you to do like Hannah. And secondly, make worship a habit. Make worship a habit. Look at what happens in her story, these next verses, 1 Samuel 1. Early the next morning, they arose and worshiped before the Lord, then went back to their home at Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son, and she named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. One of the reasons Mother's Day is the third highest day for church attendance in North America is that loving sons and daughters know it would mean so much to mom if we went to church with her. And so people make an extra effort to do something for their mom. Maybe even they would take her out to breakfast before church or dinner after church. And that's a good thing, right? It's a gesture of love and respect to the mothers who do so very much for us. But notice that Hannah and Elkanah, what they did before returning home, they worshiped. It says they worshiped. Not only that, but if you look back in this chapter to verses 3 and 7, Worship was a habit with them. She and her husband were people who habitually worshiped the Lord. It was an ongoing, integral part of their lives. And let me suggest 
if, if you not only want to please mom, but you want the best life that God has in mind for you, if you want his blessing on your marriage, if you want the best life for your family, if you want your children to have godly examples to inspire them, if you want to know more of God's peace and his power, then do what Hannah did. Make worship a priority for you and your family. The story of a young mother who once approached her pastor and asked him, when should I begin the spiritual education of my three-year-old child? Ma'am, the pastor replied, you've lost three years already. Uh Uh-huh. I'm not here to beat down anybody into attending church, but I do want to inspire everybody here, even the long-time church attenders, to make worship a habit in your life because the regular daily worship of God brings about change in your life. It renews your mind. It revives your heart. It relieves you of burdens and restores energy to you when you've worshiped the Lord. For those who wait upon the Lord, renew their strength. And then I want to urge you, like Hannah, thirdly, to make sacrifice an expectation. Make sacrifice an expectation. Not, oh, do I have to do that? No, it should be a way of life. The rest of 1 Samuel, it says in verse 21, The next year, Elkanah and his family went on their annual trip to offer sacrifice to the Lord. But Hannah did not go. She told her husband, wait until the boy is weaned. Then I will take him to the tabernacle and leave him there with the Lord permanently. Whatever you think is best, Elkanah agreed. Stay here for now, and may the Lord help you keep your promise. So she stayed home and nursed the boy until he was weaned. When the child was weaned, Hannah took him to the tabernacle in Shiloh. They brought along a three-year-old bull for the sacrifice and a basket of flour and some wine. And after sacrificing the bull, they brought the boy to Eli. Sir, do you remember me? Hannah asked. I'm the woman who stood here several years ago praying to the Lord. I asked the Lord to give me this boy, and he has granted my request. And now I'm giving him to the Lord, and he will belong to the Lord his whole life. And they worshiped the Lord there. The Bible says that once he was weaned, she made the 200-mile journey to Shiloh and gave Samuel to the temple to work there and serve the Lord. And, And what do family experts and psychologists tell us? They say that most of the child's personality, in fact, 90% of the child's personality is formed by the time they are three to five years of age. My goodness. That's why God has instructed godly parents to teach their children from the time that they get up in the morning to the time they retire at night, the ways of the Lord. Teach your children well, the principles of God. Don't wait until they get into school. Start immediately to live out the principles of godliness before your children. You see the genius of God in the way that he's instituted the family and marriage and relationship and children. Hannah gave him to the Lord and said, I made a promise. I made a covenant with you. And by the way, that boy Samuel became a mighty man of God, the last of the judges, 
and the first of the prophets, the Lord was with Samuel as he grew up and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba recognized that Samuel was attested as the prophet of the Lord. So that's not an accident that God worked the timing of the birth of this boy and the covenant of this mother with him to provide all of Israel a blessing that would go down in the annals of their history. Is the one of the greatest, if not the greatest prophets who ever lived. But notice something else. Hannah prayed with great feeling and passion for this son. And God gave her the son. And then of all things, she gives the child back to God, after which God blessed her with three more sons and two daughters in addition in her life. It's Hannah's example we follow when we dedicate our children to God in a church service. It's a way of saying to the Lord, thank you for the privilege of having what belongs to you. This child is yours. It's not mine. You created this child, and I'm just the steward. Grant me the strength to raise this child of yours in the way that he or she should go. We dedicate our children to the service of God. And if a godly parent, you haven't yet done that, by all means, do that as soon as possible. Dedicate your children to the Lord. And there's something else going on in Hannah's story, something true for every single one of us, and it's this. Parenting will involve sacrifice. I was waiting for the guys to chime in here. Parenting will involve sacrifice. I look back on my life and my family and my spouse, my wife, and the sacrifices she has made throughout the years of our marriage for our children, always giving the time, talent, treasure, whatever called upon to do with cheer and joy and thanksgiving for the privilege of being their mother. It's an honor to be married to a spouse that loves God and honors her children and has raised them to serve him with all their heart. I'm blessed that I have a wife who understands the word sacrifice. If you're a mother, you know that sacrifice is is part of the equation. Parents sacrifice sleep for their children. They sacrifice money for their children. They sacrifice peace for their children and sometimes their sanity for their children. But not only parents sacrifice, in every community, every church, there are kids who need a loving adult to come alongside of them and teach them and show them the ways of God. They may have wonderful parents, or they may have a broken relationship with parents, or come out of a home that's been fractured, or may they simply need the love and wisdom of someone with love and wisdom to give. And that makes room for every person in the church to come alongside those who come from those environments to be a blessing, to make sacrifice, to help others come along the road you've been traveling on. If you're not a mother, you you may still be called to a ministry of spiritual parenting. It's never easy. It takes commitment. It takes perseverance. 
and has its ups and downs and heartbreaks. When you come along, someone to parent and mentor and spiritually become their parent, but it brings immeasurable blessing along with a considerable sacrifice. And I want to say something of that to our single moms today. Single moms, thank you, because your sacrifice exceeds that of what we might call average or normal, because on your own, you are meeting the challenges of a family and raising them and providing for them and caring for them, and above all, getting them to know who your God is. I applaud the single moms, too, in this room, thanking God for every one of you and all that you do every single day. May God's great strength be yours as you go about the task of raising your children as a single parent. This kind of sacrifice is why mothers deserve our deepest gratitude. They have sacrificed much out of love for their children. They have given and given and given again. They have repeatedly surrendered their own comfort for the benefit of their sons and their daughters. They've spent the night in anguish over a child that's been ill, troubled, sacrificing again and again in times in in hardship and difficulty as some single moms today have. And back in the day, even when there were homes with both dad and mom, there were still sacrifices having to be made because of low income and difficult strains and and stresses. You've heard about the grandmothers and mothers of days gone by who would always eat the chicken necks when they served their family's chicken. I remember hearing stories about this. I remember hearing, and I found some statements about this kind of a concept. And I, I, I I never understood it. I wondered about it and thought, why in the world would grandmas and moms like chicken necks so much? Well, one writer said, when I was little, my mom and her mom used to always say that mom's favorite part of the chicken were the necks and backs. Okay. Another writer wrote, my mom recently passed at age 92. She always ate the chicken neck. She said she liked it. Imagine my surprise when I brought one to her bedside three days before she passed, and she turned up her nose at it and confessed she never liked them and never wanted to eat one again. And so the question was, if you didn't like chicken necks, why did you eat them? Because mothers always sacrifice for their children, having saved the best for them. A mother's love drives them to do amazing things, even eating a bony chicken neck and feigning, I'm enjoying it, it's my favorite part. That's love, and today we honor those moms with great and joyous celebration. Let's take a moment and applaud our moms here today for the sacrifices they make. Yeah, incredible. They've given and given and given, surrendered comfort. It says this in 1 Samuel 1, Elkanah, her husband, loved Hannah. He loved her. Husbands, specifically pay attention to your wife. Love her as Christ loved the church, and honor her like Jesus has honored all of us. And and that's also why Mother's Day is such a great occasion to reflect on another great sacrifice, one that I believe is reflected in the selfless surrender of so many mothers. 
It happened on a hill far away, as the old hymn says, where Jesus laid down his life for every soul in this room. He suffered the cruelest torture, gave the ultimate sacrifice so that we could become sons and daughters of our God, forgiven, set free from sin, empowered to live our lives beyond our wildest dreams and assured we have eternal life awaiting us in heaven. You might have come here today with no expectation of any kind of change or commitment. You may have planned on nothing more than about an hour and a half of some music and preaching. But in Jesus' name, I urge you to consider a surrender of your heart and your life to Jesus. A surrender that changes everything for you, for your family, and introduces you to a life of joy and peace and love that you'll never understand until you experience it. Because that's the kind of God I serve, a God of sacrifice who built that into godly mothers. Amen? And I'm grateful to him. And as I told my mother before she went to be with Jesus, and I said it to her privately and I said it to her publicly. In fact, I said it to her right here in this church on her last visit publicly. I said, Mom, thank you. I am who I am today because of what you did and who you are. And I forever will be grateful to you for pouring the love of God into my heart and life. I would never be who I am if I had not had a mother like you. I'm grateful. I hope you are too. Let's stand together for just a few moments. Before we...